grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey guys, how's everybody doing? I hope you do. I hope you said you're doing great. I'm doing great. Got the AC back on because it's starting to warm up again. Probably another couple of weeks of this tremendous heat, and then we will be done here in Sacramento with with the heat. Then I'll be complaining it's too bloody cold. Everyone, welcome. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We're 45 strong up and down the state. And that means if you have a paranormal need, let me um, shift some stuff here. Okay. And that means if you have a paranormal need, we can get to you. It may take us a while because California is a big state, but we can definitely get to you. Um, tonight we're broadcasting on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, and Twitter. And uh, if you want to find us over there, you can find us on Facebook under California Haunts. You can find us on YouTube under California Haunts or California Haunts Radio. I'll give you a link to that, youtube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. Or you can find us on Twitter as California Haunts, Twitch for Cal Haunts, and over at TikTok, we are Cal Haunt, or California Haunts. So that's the way to find us. Now, if you're watching from Facebook tonight, and a lot of you are, uh, if you haven't done so already, please hit that follow button. Really appreciate it. Always looking for followers. And during the show, if you, if you like what you hear, uh, give me a thumbs up, show me some love, happy faces, you know, that kind of thing. Because what that does is it puts us up in the algorithm. It, it, um, Facebook sees that and, and uh, kind of promotes my show. And it puts us further out there, meaning more people can watch the show. You know, get a look at us. So that'd be great. And also, if you're home with somebody and uh, they haven't been watching this, see if, you know, just they might be interested in watching this little show, right? Right? Okay. Same thing with YouTube. If you haven't subscribed already, please feel, feel free to do so. We're looking for subscribers. I'm 320 away. From hitting that thousand mark, you know, and I'm real excited about that. I can just barely contain myself. I'm so excited about that. Um, also, same thing for YouTube. Um, if you, you know, if you like what you see in here, thumbs up, smileys, hearts, show me some love because that works. With the, the algorithm works in a similar way over on YouTube. And also, you know, commenting on the show that helps a lot too to put us up higher in the algorithm. Okay. Uh, we're waiting for Dave to come on, and um, uh, something might have come up, because we were all confirmed up. So we'll give him a few minutes, and if he doesn't come on, I will just uh, commence to continuing my read of Marion Reader's book tonight, and take care of it that way. Just a quick FYI about tomorrow night. I don't know if I'm going to be live for sure. You know, we may, I may have a guest, I may not. But the problem is that I'm going to be getting an MRI tomorrow afternoon, and... Because of my hearing issues, uh, my equilibrium is off. And when I get done with those things, I'm just all thrown off and dizzy. So we'll see how it how it goes tomorrow night. But anyway, I'm glad to be here. I hope you're glad to be here as well. And I'm looking forward to talking with Dave. If, you know, if everything goes well, something might have come up with him. But uh, either way, we'll, we'll be together tonight. I'll just read that. But that, that book is terrific, so I can't deny the book. Uh, things that are coming up for us... Uh, Donna Vold is going to be rejoining us in October uh, because uh, she is the one that draws the uh, psychic, uh, uses her ability to draw faces of people's relatives that are deceased. And she, you know, she does like posters and stuff for people. 
So it's going to be interesting to talk with her. And I think we're going to have a contest uh, uh, to raise some money for the team where Dawn is going to do a, a, a portrait for somebody. And uh, so we'll sell tickets for that and kind of make it a real fun, real fun deal. Um, things coming up, California Haunts has just gained some more team members. So we're going to be having a big team, a new, new team meeting over one of the restaurants here and get to know everybody. And we're going to start getting out to do a lot more investigating for the first time in a while. And I'm real excited about that as well. So I'll be sharing those with you guys a lot. And I'll be doing a lot of them on lives for you guys. Okay, so uh, it's going to be interesting. So you got to keep up with us. Keep up with us. Um, also, what else? Ah, fall's coming. Halloween time. Um, we're looking at doing some investigations live as well for uh, the for Halloween, and uh, we may even be on a couple of TV shows. Uh, you know, a couple of TV news shows here and there. So we'll see again how that plays out. You know, newspapers and whatnot. That's the first time in a long time that we're going to be getting back out to do this stuff. So. It's going to be interesting because it's a whole new crew, new equipment, everything. So, yeah, we're going to be doing that. If you guys are interested in meditation, and it, it, meditation is good for your health, your health and well-being, I do have a meditation club that's I, where you pay $25 a month. And, I, and we do guided meditations, three or four guided meditations a week. And it's really, you know, if you're into that sort of thing or you, or you want to learn how to wind down, you know, when you're having trouble winding down after work, meditation is a good way to do that. So if you're interested in that, head on over to the California Haunts Meetup page. All you have to do is type in California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team Meetup. It'll take you right over there and click on events and you will see it. It's listed as one event, but but it is monthly, so that $25 covers you for 30, 31 days. And uh, you have to spend time with me doing guided meditations. So if you're interested in that feel free to do that. Let me check my email real quick. And I don't know what's going on with Dave. Because he was confirmed and ready to go. Okay. So he's there. So I'm just wondering. Um, hmm. Okay. He just acknowledged the email. So hopefully he's coming in. It's going to be one of those days. I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to resend the link for this thing because maybe I sent him the wrong link. So give me a second because I've had weird, weird things that that happened. So let me get him a link. It's just one of those days. Mercury and retrograde and it's still going and going like the Energizer Bunny. Okay, let me see if I can send him a link. Let me make sure he just, maybe he didn't get the link. You never know. There's just weird things that go on. All the time, and let me let me fire this off again. Oh, there he is, and our guest is here. Dave has been on this. Uh, David Barnett has been on our show before, and uh, we had a lot of fun with him last time. And this time, I think we're going to learn a few new things. We're going to be talking about heaven and extraterrestrials tonight. Whoa, there I went, and so the internet starts up. Like a no-win scenario in this in this day. But uh, we're going to be talking about heaven and extraterrestrials tonight. So I think you guys are going to enjoy the conversation. And let, let me go ahead and bring him in. Here we go. Good evening. Can you hear me? <laughs> okay, there we go. How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm good. It's been a while since we've seen you. It has. It has. How are you doing? 
I'm doing good. The show's starting to take off really well, and you know, it's it's a gradual process of build up. You know, because when people say, "Oh yeah, go on YouTube and stuff," you can just boom, boom, boom. <laughs> it's a gradual process, but it's exciting because you know the numbers are growing every day, and so I'm really excited about that. Oh, great! I'm glad to hear that. Good for you. So, for the people that haven't seen you yet, tell us about you. I have a very interesting background. I, I kind of have a foot in both worlds. Uh, I grew up knowing that I wanted to be an electrical engineer. I discovered uh, electronics in fifth grade, which uh, for me, that was about 1965. So that was a few years ago. And uh, I continued on with that path and ended up becoming an electrical engineer and an aerospace engineer. Uh, along the way, uh, my parents, uh, my dad was an Episcopal priest and an engineer. My parents divorced when I was around 11. And uh, not too long after, my mother discovered astrology and she started using me as her test subject for a lot of different psychic things. And because uh, my brothers, my older brothers, wouldn't have anything to do with it. They all thought sure. she was Madame Zelda and <laughs> they, they wanted to get her a turban with a jewel in the front. And uh, so I, I was open to it. Um, but I, I went off and did my college thing, got my bachelor's and master's in electrical engineering. And uh, I grew up in Wichita and I ended up back in Wichita after working at uh, General Motors for a couple of years. I uh, worked at Boeing in Wichita and then decided I really didn't want to live in Boeing rest, or live in Wichita or work for Boeing the rest of my life. And uh, I came out to Denver uh, to work for Martin Marietta. Uh, well, in 1983, I went back to my 10th high school reunion and I ran into an old friend uh, named Barry. And Barry asked me if I'd become an electrical engineer like I had expected. And I said, yeah. And he said, do you think it's possible to change things at a distance? And he, he kept talking in kind of a roundabout way, and he wouldn't come out with it. And I finally said, okay, Barry, tell me what's going on. And he said, well, I'd rather show you. So we went to uh, his house. He invited me over. And when we first got out of the car, he walked me up to the electric meter on the side of the house. And he said, do you have a sense of how fast uh, the wheel is turning? I said, sure. You know, it's pretty obvious. And uh, the speed of the wheel is proportional to the amount of power you're, you're using at that moment. So you turn on the stove, uh, it's going to speed up. If you turn off the stove and turn off the water heater and the furnace and everything, it's going to slow down. So I could see how fast it was going. And he, he just kind of pointed at it and said, now, and it slowed by about a third. And he said, I did this to my mother's house several months ago and her bills are still lower. Hmm. Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, we went into his house and he had a little black and white cheapy TV on rabbit ears and uh, he said watch this and he turned it to a channel that didn't have a station so it's just snow and he right. points at the tv and says now and suddenly he tunes in a station and uh, wow. it's like wow this is pretty astounding i started feeling the hair go up on the back of my neck a little bit uh, he showed me something else in the house but then we went out to his car and we were sitting there with it idling and uh, his conventional ignition and his hands and feet are off the controls and he points at the engine and goes now and he could slow the idle down to the point where it was stalling and he said i can stall other cars in traffic wow. well the, the the final demonstration we went to the radio station he was an fm disc jockey for a, a 50,000 watt station and we went to the station and in the back room where all the meters are they give the health and status of the transmitter there was a digital meter there reading 99.6, and that meant that 
99.6% of 50,000 watts was going out the antenna. And he said, I can lower that. He said, I can't lower it much or I'll trip it off the air and I've done it before, but I'll show you. So he said, do you see that it's stable at 99.6? And I said, yeah, sure. And he points at it and he goes now, and it dropped to 99.2. So it was four tenths of a percent of 50,000 watts plus the overhead power behind it in the transmitter to get that out the antenna. And uh, that's just astounding. And over the years when we tried different things, uh, especially long distance, it always worked. He always got an effect. I, I've rarely read, hardly ever, anybody who had the capability to affect things at this level and also to do it reliably that every time he attempted it, he got an effect. Well, it forced me to come back, uh, Dave, the, the rocket scientist, the satellite engineer, it forced me to come back to Denver and say, uh, there's a lot about the universe I don't understand. I've got to go figure this out. And so I got involved with uh, learning how to do energy healing. I, I took all the coursework through therapeutic touch. And I, I had a very gifted woman who was a middle-aged RN and her grandmother had been a Native American healer. And so she she not only gave us uh, the therapeutic touch concepts on energy healing with chakras and energy pathways, but she also gave us uh, a lot of uh, additional material. She even uh, brought in people who had diagnosed illnesses, but she said, I want you to scan them and tell me what you think they have. And the first one we did, I nailed it. Uh, I got that the woman had abdominal problems. She had something in her transverse colon and she was diagnosed with something that today we'd probably call either Crohn's or IBS. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I absolutely nailed it, which was really reassuring to me as the engineer to say, okay, I, I want to know that this stuff works. Um, another pathway I took is I got involved in psychic development classes at one of the local uh, metaphysical bookstores. And I ended up meeting three women and we just all really synced together. And so we, uh, we met for two years, about every two weeks, we'd rotate between our houses and we would try different things uh, on uh, psychic stuff that we'd heard about. Just what if, what if, what if? Uh, the third thing I did was I got involved with a group uh, called the Tibetan Foundation that was uh, channeling ascended masters and then teaching channeling in workshops. And uh, those three things really set me on the path. And so I was, uh, Dave, the electrical engineer on aerospace out at Martin Marietta during the day and after hours, I, I was doing healing appointments and, and other things for other people. And um, I just kept uh, developing those skills. And then um, I left Lockheed and uh, Martin became Lockheed. I left him in uh, 2000, went to a small renewable energy company. I kept getting pushed in readings where my guides would come through and say, you got to step up the game. We, we really want you to become a a phenomenal healer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so um, I really started working on that in between 2003 and 2007. I'd won some contracts with the Air Force for uh, uh, independent consulting and a voice uh, had me, uh, it just came down in my head. So I quit that job uh, and said, uh, you have all the money you need, all the time you need, go learn everything you can about healing. And so I had a four year window there where I, I could consult on my own time, and so I could take all the classes I wanted. So uh, I did two years of psychic development with the Denver Medium. I, I learned about eight or nine different uh, modalities in healing, 
and other gifts started coming through, such as very easily reading past lives and the Akashic records. They, they just kind of came to me as a download and uh, things like that. And then uh, moving on, I, I ended up uh, starting into clearing in 2008 when um, a woman called me um, while I was in Las Vegas on vacation and said, I'm a friend of a friend of your daughter's and uh, I have phenomena going on in my house. She had an entity there that would walk up behind her and say her name. Uh, when she was laying in bed, it'd come over and press down on the covers and her wow. two preschool kids were seeing witches flying out of closets. And uh, so I said, well, I'll give it a shot. And uh, the first pass worked pretty well. And then two weeks later, she said, something's back. And so uh, I used some other tools I'd learned and was very successful. And that kind of kicked it off where I said, okay, I can do clearings long distance. I don't need to go to the site uh, so I can do them anywhere. And uh, I've always preferred to do it that way because I view it, I don't want to give the entities uh, any heads up that I'm coming. Uh, and I also don't want to give them an opportunity to attach to me or to set a trap. And so uh, that just kept moving on. And then in my meditations, I start making contacts with, uh, with ETs and had several experiences there. And uh, so I, I continue to, to work with ETs and uh, help other people who are having um, either conscious ET experiences or they're having experiences which uh, get revealed when uh, I'm I started doing some channeling or mediumship for them to find out what's going on. So uh, I've been very blessed with all these gifts. Uh, a lot of my psychic friends, uh, when I was still in aerospace, would call me uh, Clark Kent and Superman. Uh, <laughs> Clark Kent was a mild-mannered uh, aerospace engineer, and you know Superman was after hours. And then I pretty much got out of aerospace altogether in 2019. Uh, but these. Uh, you know, all those degrees, I picked up two other degrees, a bachelor's in psychology and a master's in computer science. Uh, I've done a lot of research on the early church to understand what that was all about, to get it out of uh, the dogma and, and just to see what what the, uh, the honest opinion of it was, what they were trying to do, uh, things like that. So I'm, uh, I'm very well read and uh, I have my own uh, blog talk radio show and I, I've had uh, over 630 shows there. So I've, I've read many, many, many books of uh, different people and uh, updates to different uh, healing techniques or, or other things. And um, so uh, it doesn't hurt to have the gray hair. You know, if uh, I have a client whose husband is uh, skeptical and I just say, well, let me talk to him, you know, uh, I think uh, I can either approach this from the science viewpoint or the quantum mechanics viewpoint or the religious viewpoint, uh, that type of thing. I think I can, you know, help ease those concerns about uh, why you're coming to me and, and what we're dealing with. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, I, I mean, fundamentally, I always tell people, you know, I've been doing this for 40 years now. I, I wouldn't have kept doing it if it didn't work. You know, right. it, it worked so much of the time that, uh, I don't feel like I'm beating my head against the wall to try to make it, you know, produce results. So right. I, I've right. had a very blessed life in uh, being able to do this work and help others. You know, what gives you a lot of credibility? And I know, you know, back in the old days when we all started ghost hunting and stuff, there was always that misnomer that the people that were doing it, the psychics and everybody that were doing it, we were all flakes. And with you, with your, your background, you know, working for Boeing and all that, 
can't get better than that for credibility, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because we're not all flakes. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I, I, I love to encourage young people to get into all of this on the metaphysics, what, whatever they're doing. They're, they're meditating or mm -hmm. they're trying to develop their mediumistic skills or they're uh, trying to become telepathic, whatever. I, I love to encourage them because I want all the young people out there to, to get into this. So as they learn it, you know, maybe it's going to take five or 10 years to really get seasoned on their skills. And then they still have decades and decades left to practice this and help others versus, you know, running into people who are, are in their 50s or semi-retired and say, well, now I can go look at this. Okay, so, you know, they hit 65 when they come into their own and they don't have that many years left to practice mm -hmm. before the public and help others. So, um, but the flip side is you get somebody who's 25 and says, I'm a psychic medium. And, uh, you know, it's people just kind of look at them squinty. I don't, I'll be honest, you, you know, uh, aren't you kind of young, you know, and so they're always looking for referrals on them and things like that. And so um, there, there's a, a, a trade off on age there. Uh, but frankly, I, I love to encourage young people to get into it. And I also tell them, don't quit your day job. You know, it's going to be a quite a while until you, you build up enough of a client load that you could say, I can be self-supporting on this. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it didn't happen for me where, uh, you know, until I hit essentially retirement age. And, um, you know, I, I was very blessed to have an appearance in 2019 on Coast to Coast. And that really clicked with the listeners. And I picked up about 400 clients out of it. Wow. And, uh, that's what kicked me to the next plateau. You know, I, and, you know, there's a lot of people who uh, can make this a part-time job, but they, they're very far away from making a full-time job and they shouldn't be committing to renting an office and, and paying, you know, marketing costs and things like that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. 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 Yeah. Tell me a little bit. Uh, I heard you on coast to coast last week talking about heaven. Let's talk about heaven a little bit. <laughs> Heaven is an interesting place, and uh, I, I did tell a story on Coast to Coast, and I'll tell it here, but okay. uh, I really started intensely uh, meditating in 2002, and um, I, I told the guides I really wanted to progress. I said, give me exercises, uh, you know, use me as you will. I, I really want to find out what's going on, and I, I really started meeting uh, a lot of uh, high-vibration beings who... Uh, would coach me in like uh, one group of, uh, they call themselves the Lords of the Seven Rays. Uh, each one is associated with a day of the week. And so for a whole year, each morning of my meditation, I'd meet with the one whose day it was. And so, um, you know, I, I did that. And But the, the first time that I, I really uh, felt that absolutely I went to a spiritual plane, I, I've been doing guided meditations uh, for a couple weeks, and uh, I, I think it was one of the, the very common uh, guided meditations where, okay, you're in the mountain meadow, you see everything, you feel the grass under your feet, mm -hmm. it's a warm mm -hmm. sky, so it brings in all the senses, and then there's a little cabin in the distance, and there's a door open, and it's inviting, so you go down to the cabin, and you go inside, and there's a table with two chairs, you sit mm -hmm. in a chair, a spiritual being shows up in the other chair. Well, 
you know, I've I've done this for other people on uh, giving them a guided meditation, and the spiritual being in the other chair is going to be a product of your imagination when you're starting. Uh, sure. I'll just ask about that. It's you're you're kind of uh, greasing the gears, making everything turn easier for you, mm-hmm. and after about two weeks of doing this, that uh, personage totally shifted and it was something I knew I hadn't created. And they took my hand and they flew me to the spiritual plane. They, they just took me up there and they started giving me a guided tour of all the different buildings and facilities uh, that are available for experiences for people who go to the spiritual plane. And that was fantastic in itself. But one of the best parts about that is in one of Sylvia Brown's books, she has uh, in the back a bunch of drawings from when she went on a spiritual tour of heaven to see different buildings. And she uh, described them to an artist friend and the artist friend drew them up. When I looked through those pictures, I could identify about 70% of what she'd drawn because I'd been there and uh, even down to where the benches were that I sat for a moment. And uh, that was very evidential for me. And uh, so uh, I really felt good about understanding what the, the spiritual plane is. Uh, I really liked the, uh, the Robin Williams movie where uh, he dies and then his wife commits suicide and he tries to rescue her from the, the dark realms or the gray sure. area. Uh, you know, because it's, uh, it really emphasizes that a whole lot of what you experience in the spiritual plane is of your own creation. You have the capability to create things. And um, in my meditations, when I was meditating intensively, uh, I started creating things. And as long as you revisit them periodically, you'll keep them energized and they won't fade away. Um, But the thing that you're alluding to that uh, really uh, surprised me. So uh, keep in mind, I grew up in the Episcopal Church. My dad was an Episcopal priest. I didn't realize how much of that culture I had absorbed and how much was in the, in the back of my head uh, in terms of uh, cultural understandings. But so one of the times that I'm in the spiritual plane and they've created this great big, huge healing pyramid for me. Uh, it's like a great big, beautiful glass or crystal pyramid. It could hold thousands and thousands of people and expand as necessary. There really are no physical limitations in the spiritual plane. I was up at the front area and there was an arrangement shaped like a horseshoe of uh, healing tables. And there were probably half a dozen people that I wanted to work on uh, to do uh, distance healing with. And, you know, I would work with them in the same process that I would work with them if I met them and did face to face, hands on healing. And there were uh, archangels there and angels and, uh, doctors in spirit, you know, who could help and uh, all kinds of help. And I was starting to work and all of a sudden I look up and there's ETs standing within the group. And this really shook my uh, my understanding because I suddenly realized that I had an expect- expectation that uh, to a certain degree, God created us in his image and the heaven that we aspire to is a heaven for people. It's not a heaven for other beings. You know, that's, that's our heaven. That's, that's where humans go when they die. And, uh, 
I spent several weeks having lots of discussions with spiritual beings and guides uh, about this. And what really came out is, uh, uh, the first thing is, there are a number of ETs who are so spiritually evolved that they can instantaneously incarnate and then give up the body. They don't need to go through a birth process. They don't need to go through uh, an incarnation of a soul going into the body or the complications of getting the soul out of the body by having to have the body die. They, they've surpassed that. And so this really leads to the idea that our heaven and higher vibrational levels of our heaven, and there are multiple layers, you know, I just for ease, I, I just say, well, there's seven, there could be 29, I don't know. Uh, but I, I've worked at all those levels. Um, but that these ETs, uh, who are very spiritually evolved, can move and interplay within those different layers of what we think of as our heaven, because to them, they're just different vibrational layers. Mm -hmm. And so um, they don't necessarily go there to twang people to, uh, you know, say, well, you know, we're going to increase the diversity here. I mean, it's nothing like that. They're uh, they can mask themselves. So they, uh, to the average person there, they could appear as uh, a human who was in spirit form, uh, you know, and had that appearance if they needed to or decided to or realized that psychologically they would be uh, really upsetting some people who were there. I mean, uh, here's, a, here's another viewpoint. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, you carry a lot of psychological inertia with you when you die and your expectations about what the spiritual plane should be and should act like um, will frequently be manifested for you because you're a co-creator. So if you are a, a full Orthodox Jew and you have an exact idea of what heaven looks like and what God, your relationship to God is going to be and the expectation that you're still going to follow Mosaic law, you may end up in a community for a long time in the spiritual plane where you're with like-minded people and you won't be infiltrated by Christians or uh, Muslims or anybody else. Uh, the same thing can be true with fundamentalist Christians, it can be true with uh, you know, extremely radical uh, Islamic people um, and, and others. And uh, just because you go to the spiritual plane doesn't mean that you get tapped on the head and you instantly become a nice person. I mean, if you were a, a nasty, sharp-tongued uh, person on the planet, you know, who uh, was sarcastic and belittled others, um, it may be a while on the spiritual plane until you catch on that that was not a nice way to live your life and that there are better ways. And until that happens, you may still be in the spiritual plane as a very unpleasant person. And uh, so that, that psychological uh, pressure goes forward. The same is true of uh, what are your expectations at death? Um, if you don't believe in a heaven when you died, there's a good chance you're going to be walking the planet still as an earthbound um, because you just didn't recognize the signs that when uh, the bright light came or the angels came or other other guides, you didn't see them for what they were. And you just wonder, well, you know, who are those folks watching me? You know, I don't even know what's going on here. And you, you sort of, uh, the, the train leaves the station without you on it. Mm -hmm. uh, but also if you, uh, 
if you're uh, a big deep reader of uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead and you believe in the bardo, that you're going to have to battle demons to find your way up the hillside to get into heaven so you won't have to be reincarnated, that's probably going to be a reality for you when you die. And um, that's something that I'm, I'm not very keen on setting people's expectations for what they're going to run into heaven other than you're going to be in a form that looks like a younger version of you. You're going to have many guides and relatives there and it's going to be wonderful living and uh, you won't lack for anything. Uh, you won't have stressors. So you'll be able to go to classes. You'll be able to go sit by the pond. You'll be able to go sailing, you know, whatever you want to do. Those are the expectations I like to put in. And oh, by the way, if you want to pursue spiritual studies, many opportunities with many spiritual beings, uh, mm -hmm. you know, that you can meet. But it's not necessarily an obligation on you that you're going to be on your knees in front of the throne with a guy with a white beard singing hosannas to him all day. If you think that's what it is, you may experience that for a while until finally you say, uh, you know, after a couple hundred years, uh, waving these fans is getting kind of old. Uh, is there something else here? And uh, an angel steps in and says, you know, anytime you've wanted, you could have asked to try something mm -hmm. else. And so uh, I, I think heaven is a, a wonderful fascinating place of consciousness uh, i think the creator is a form of consciousness that uh, goes way beyond our thinking and mm -hmm. uh, the more you meditate the more progress you make um, the more uh, advanced image you're going to have of what the creator is and, and how you can work with that uh, that concept uh, i like one of the the quotes that uh, uh, joseph campbell had from schopenhauer where you know, one of the healthiest spiritual practices you can have is to continue killing off your current creator. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that as you spiritually progress, you're going to release the, uh, the guy with the white beard, you know, is throwing lightning bolts at the ground, and you're going to get to more and more advanced concepts to the point where you won't be able to explain those to other people, but you're mm -hmm. going to have insights and revelations that... Um, Words just don't do it any justice uh, of mm -hmm. what the creator means to you and what your relationship is. So, fantastic opportunities. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, about, you know, different religions being there. I've always thought, you know, as far as the creator goes and whatnot, that he is over all these religions. And they and, and somewhere along the line, he, he just appears differently to the different religions. Is that correct or how does that work? Well, that, that's correct. But uh, keep in mind, the creator never created a religion. Mm -hmm. uh, all religions are man-made or person-made. Um, and, you know, how many different sects of Christianity are there where, you know, people are arguing, you know, some little minor nuance uh, of things. I mean, uh, the split between the Greek Orthodox Church or the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Roman Catholics, uh, the final straw was when the Pope put in a thing called the Filioque Clause, which says that, you know, Jesus is the son of the Father. He, mm -hmm. You know, and that caused the final rift between uh, mm -hmm. uh, those. Um, but I, I, I personally like the fundamental concept of Gnosticism as is practiced around the time of Jesus, where um, 
they didn't rely on somebody at the front of the group telling you what to think and saying that you can only reach God through me. No, they said, we want you to meditate. We want you to discover what your experience of the creator is. And as you come across sticking points, we will try to help you work through those and understand them. But basically, it was the kingdom of God is within, which to me is is one of my favorite statements out of the Bible, uh, Mm -hmm. because I I truly uh, hold to that. So Mm -hmm. um, religion is nice. It gives a lot of people a a starting point. But to me, the failure is I've never heard of a church leader who's ever said to anybody in the congregation, you know, Bob, I wouldn't tell many people this, but you're doing so great on spirituality. I think you've outgrown our church and you ought to move on to uh, maybe these spiritual teachers. You never hear that because every church says we're good from cradle to grave and please keep the donations coming. You know, (laughs) that to me is a a fundamental failure of... uh, our religious institutions is there, there's no acknowledgement that you can progress to the point where you've outgrown uh, their basic uh, truths or dogmas. Uh, you talked when you first started talking about heaven. You talked about buildings. What what are these buildings? Oh, there's buildings uh, in the spiritual plane for um, uh, inventing. Um, you know, why do we have people on the planet who, you know, 10 different people get the same idea for a cool new latest mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. and suddenly it becomes a race to the patent office for all of them? Um, it's because uh, the concept was created and developed in the spiritual plane in a great big hall of inventors uh, of uh, where new stuff comes from. And uh, the same is true on uh, most of the famous uh, artworks, Mona Lisa and others. Um, when you... Uh, when you die and go into spirit, you'll be able to go see the originals for those artworks and be able to talk to the people who created those and inspired people here. The same is true of uh, great works of literature with their themes. Um, uh, one that really comes true on that one for me is uh, I believe that so many people who've been uh, uh, creating screenplays for movies like uh, E.T. or uh, Close Encounters uh, or Star Trek or Star Wars, um, they've truly been inspired uh, to create these works because I think they're trying to coach people to not be afraid of sentient beings who look different from us. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you see a very uh, interesting message in things like Star Wars where uh, just because they look human doesn't mean that they're good. And just because they don't look human doesn't mean that they're bad. Right. You don't know. You have to drop this idea that an appearance is linked to, to their intention. And, and I believe that these all came out of the spiritual plane for inspiration. Um, there are art places, there are literature places, there are places where they put on dramatic acts, including having some of the original people in historical settings reenact the, the history. Like, you know, you might be invited to a thing where you can see the signing of the Declaration of Independence with most of the uh, authors there, um, you know, something like that. You know, you might go see uh, what happened, you know, the true story of the passion of Jesus, you know, at Mm -hmm. the end uh, to see that because, wow, I've always wondered that. Uh, They have extensive libraries with all this information that's unvarnished truth. Uh, It doesn't, it's not shaded by opinion or uh, guessing. Uh, They they have the Akashic records there. Um, Gosh, music uh, performances, uh, 
all, all these things. Uh, they have lots of social opportunities. They, uh, I mean, the, the, the main thing that you won't find there, you'll see a lot of houses that people are living in that look like suburbia, um, but they don't have sidewalks and they don't have streets and they don't have vehicles because you just think yourself from here to there to go visit somebody. And in your house, uh, you won't have a bathroom. You don't have uh, those type of physical functions. Uh, you can have a kitchen, so you can choose to eat, but you don't need to eat. And, um, you know, if you uh, go out and you're, you're wearing a robe and you jump in a lake, as soon as you get out of the lake, the robe's dry. You know, everything is self-correcting there for perfection. So uh, it, it'll be a fantastic experience. Um, I think the level of perfection can be so high that it can become attractive for some people to take on incarnations because they want to add some salt and pepper and spice to their life. And uh, they, uh, they end up incarnating and uh, sort of going on, uh, on an African uh, safari adventure. And uh, yeah, the bugs might be bad and there might be wild animals out there. Maybe some of the people in your group get killed, uh, but it was a fantastic experience that you will carry with you always as a learning thing on what you're made of. Uh, you know, how strong is your backbone? Uh, that type mm -hmm. of thing. So uh, I, I see the our Earth planet, uh, based on my experiences of traveling all over the universe, uh, I see this as being one of the roughest, toughest places in the universe. And I see it as being kind of equivalent to boot camp. Uh, I don't think Earth was ever meant to be a paradise. I don't think Earth was ever meant to be easy. Mm -hmm. uh, a few people get vacation lifetimes here where yeah, they do have plenty of money or they live in a, a, a very benign environment like down in the South Pacific somewhere where really no, no natural enemies or anything. But for the most part, people come here to have different experiences, working with different people and being confronted by uh, challenges that they have to work their way through. And so I, I think if a lot more people adopted the viewpoint that, wow, um, I'm here and I am blessed to have these problems to solve. This is a challenge for me. You know, I'm, I, I'm on a game show. I, I'm being watched. Um, you know, that rather than just saying, "Oh my God, what what did I do to you, God? Why are you punishing me? You know, why why do I have the trials of Job? You know, um, that defeatist attitude." And it's like. No, you're 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 being poked with a sharp stick, so you'll up your game. And uh, if more people accepted that, then uh, I think people would feel a lot more sense of accomplishment from having been here. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, I had a child die. What a challenge! Uh, I learned from it. I ended up working with other people. You know, that type of thing, rather than oh my God, what kind of merciful God would take my baby away from me? Right. You know. Right. I think that question is very diffuse. Absolutely. Now, when you enter heaven, you know, upon dying, what is the process? Because, I mean, there's stories of, you know, you see these visions of sitting with St. Peter and going over all your life, or people say that their, their life passes before them. What, what is the process, the transition process? For, for most people, apparently, uh, so they get guided to the spiritual plane, and then on a timeline that they select, but it's kind of mandatory. You will do it sometime, but 
you could space it out over 10 years. You could do it in the first week. You could wait three months to start it. Uh, you're going to have a life review. And uh, if you picture a man cave that's filled with uh, TV screens and all types of video playback, you're able to scroll through your life and you're, you're able to see his experiences. And uh, something that uh, Daniel O'Brinkley brought out, and I've found references to it from other people now too, is the idea that when you're doing these life reviews, you can be emotionally put into the other person's shoes to feel and hear what they're thinking when you did what you do with them. And um, mm -hmm. this is not a punishment. This is a loving, guided review of your life to see what your report card is and how well you did the things you planned on doing. And, uh, you know, there, there really is no punishment. Uh, I'm going to put in my little quick uh, pitch for what hell is. Uh, sure. Um, one of my experiences back in 2006 was I was taken to um, like a castle uh, courtyard and uh, they opened up uh, a trap door and I went down these steps and I was like in a hallway of a dungeon and I was with my spiritual guides and uh, we walked down a long hallway, came up to a great big heavy door and uh, we pulled it open. And there was a guy in there who's strapped to some apparatus being tortured by demons. I said, okay, what am I supposed to learn from this? And they said, if you die and if you believe in hell and you have an image of what hell looks like, and if you believe that you belong in hell, the creator says yes, and you will create your own hell. And, and I really came to understand that there really is not an objective hell. Uh, you put yourself there. And um, so they, they had me work with this guy to develop a protocol for getting these people out of their personal hells. And I've been doing that ever since. And I've done it on large scale bases. Uh, I also work with people who work with people who are stuck in purgatory. Uh, mm -hmm. To me, that's a false belief. Uh, and also with people stuck in limbo. Uh, that's mm -hmm. another false belief for a spiritual realm that that kind of holds you away from uh, the pleasures of being back in the spiritual plane. And so this, this thing about, uh, you know, hell, uh, it's just not there. So going back to uh, the, the life review room. So you aren't being punished. You're, you're just being guided to understand and to learn from your experiences. And they, they know people are going to screw up. I mean, this is, uh, you know, very few people go through high school perfectly. You know, they have, learning opportunities, and it's very important that they do because it will make a lot more sense to them if they uh, get in trouble for something and have to think about it than if they just coast through and never push the limit and figure out where the limit is. Uh, just like some of the football coaches tell their teams, uh, we don't learn much from a winning game. We, we learn the most from a game where we lose and we review the tapes and look at where people miss their assignments and things. And uh, the same thing is true for uh, this life review. So it's it's not something to be feared. It's something to, to say, yeah, this is a process I want to go through and I want to savor it and, uh, you know, understand it. And, uh, you know, if I can in some, uh, some degree, I'll try to make amends for some of these things. Um, I think it's out of this that we end up with these uh, dejected people who show up at uh, seances or mediumship sessions where, you know, the... Uh, 
uh, the abusive father shows up, you know, and he's kind of hanging in the background and medium says, well, your, your father's here and uh, he's got his hat in his hands figuratively. Um, he, he wants to apologize. Uh, he said he just didn't understand what he was doing, you know, when he uh, abused you, you know, that, mm -hmm. that type of thing. And uh, they do understand after they go through that life review process of how the other person felt. And now they're from their viewpoint in a mostly uh, hopeless position to do anything about it other than to possibly have an opportunity to spiritually come through and uh, ask for forgiveness. It's very interesting. How long, okay, you know, how, I mean, I've heard that there's a process for a soul to, you know, a, a time process for, I mean, it's like you say, like, like, like when you were talking uh, the first part of the show about, say, the Muslims that are there and stuff, and everybody eventually ends up on the same page with, with things. How long does it take for the, that, that full transition to occur? Because, you know, you die, you go through your, 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 your life, you know, that, that life review process, and then what happens after that? Are you left alone? Or are there, are there there, there, yeah, there, there, there are several variations on this. Life review process uh, can be three days in our clock time. It could be mm -hmm. six months or two years in our clock time. And uh, another thing that happens is, uh, again, uh, there are some people who get cocooned when they die. Uh, okay. What this means is that um, when they first go to spiritual plane, they're not psychologically prepared to see themselves. <laughs> oh, pardon me, I'm so sorry. It's you. It's they're, okay. they're not uh, prepared to see themselves in a fresh, new, young body. It's too much of a psychological impact. So they go into a sham hospital. They're surrounded by fake doctors, fake nurses, fake visitors. Uh, they think they're on the road to healing and being treated. And uh, this process may last three days. It may last two months. Um, and then they finally reach the point where they seem to be psychologically able without shock to be told that, yes, your physical body did die and you are now in the spiritual plane and uh, you're going to have a fresh new body and nothing can hurt it. And uh, mm -hmm. this is great. And there's a whole lot of people waiting to have a party for you to welcome you home. Um, and, and so, you know, that, that's a, a great thing. This is also a reason why sometimes mediums, uh, you go to see a medium, you say, oh, my dad died last week. You know, can you bring him through? And the medium will normally say, I can't guarantee anybody I can bring through. And they may get into the session. They may say, uh, your dad's just not available. Well, why is he not available? Because he's been cocooned. He's uh, he he isn't prepared to take on the responsibility of communicating with with you or acknowledging that he's dead, and, and so that can happen. That was one of the questions I had. You just answered it because I see. And I'm not going to mention names, okay? But I've I've seen <laughs> professed psychics yeah. contacting deceased celebrities right away, you know, yeah. after they pass, and I've always wondered, well. Is there, you know, is there a time to do that? Is it too soon, you know, to try and contact right away? Should there be a waiting period? Um, I would say normally uh, you're probably safe after three months of trying to contact somebody who's passed. Uh, I've seen very, very few take longer than that to to be available. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sorry. Uh, the other thing, too, is that uh, many people who are going to the spiritual plane are now getting uh, 
very rapid training on how to communicate with humans. And one of the big things that's happened is with our society uh, going so technological and so electronically based, they are learning how to do things to get our attention with electronics. Mm -hmm. uh, they're learning how to put characters on a computer screen. They're learning how to do something to our cell phone. They're learning how to turn our lights on and off. They're learning how to manipulate our TV channel or our radio, uh, what's coming through. You know, they're learning this. You know, it used to be you, you find pennies dropped, you find dimes dropped, you yeah. find little feathers, uh, things like that. Um, and uh, that's... Uh, they've advanced uh, and, and many newbies in the spiritual plane are learning very rapidly how to manipulate our reality just a little bit uh, to let us know that uh, they are here and they're watching. Now, when somebody uh, dies, uh, they may be in a position where uh, they, uh, they want to come back and they want to watch the funeral process. And, uh, because they do want to hear what people have to say about them. They're curious, you know, who's going to show up? How many people? What are they? And suddenly they find themselves, they can hear other people's thoughts. So, uh -huh. uh, you know, that in some cases that probably a feel good feeling. In other cases, it's like, hmm, you know, I, I'm not getting, you know, good feelings out of this. This is kind of disappointing. Kind of like when, when Scrooge goes, you know, through his, uh, night of the three ghosts on Christmas Carol uh, to, to hear what people are saying about him after he dies and to figure out that it's him that they're they're insulting um, now for people who don't understand the process to go to spiritual plane they may follow the funeral they may go out to the burial site they may see the casket going into the ground and everybody gets in their cars and leaves and they're sitting there saying hmm what's next and that's why you find a, a, a lot of earthbound spirits hanging around cemeteries uh, because everybody departs and they don't know where to go. Uh, right. And it's kind of like they're, they're, they're waiting at the bus station for the bus to come and the bus isn't going to show up for them. Uh, but uh, for the people who are in a healthy shape, it's kind of like they get their first taste of the spiritual plane and then they say, okay, we're going to give you a temporary pass to, to go back and see what's going on you know, with your, uh, your burial process for closure. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why you sometimes see, and uh, it's happening more and more now, Raymond Moody just came out with another book on it, on uh, proof of life after death, where he talks about these uh, death experiences from observers at the death scene, where, uh, you know, he talks about one where the, the mother is dying and uh, the people in the room all see her husband who's already dead he shows up to the point where he is fully uh, appears to be physical to two out of three people there. And uh, then he, he fades as she uh, comes out of her body and, and goes to the spiritual plane. So, uh, you know, how did he learn how to do that? Well, he's had a few years in the spiritual plane to, to practice and uh, he's prepared. Uh, mm -hmm. One of my other uh psychic gifts uh, that I've worked on is be, being what's called a psychopomp. It's an ancient Greek term, and it means that uh, if I'm asked or if I see a need, I accompany spirits to the spiritual plane uh, so they don't get confused or uh, misplaced or, or lost. And uh -huh. uh, 
So uh, I do have a number of my close friends saying, you know, I'm, uh, I've either lost a relative or I'm about to lose a relative. Uh, would you mind, you know, helping to make sure that they, they get over crossover safely? And, yeah, I'm happy to do it. I, that, that's the best outcome for everybody. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's talk about ETs. Okay. Are they among us or what's going on with that? They are everywhere. Um, I believe that... Uh, you can very simply categorize the ETs around us into three groups. The, uh, the ones that are helpful, trying to maintain rules, trying to keep us from being interfered with by the bad guys. Uh, a very large group who I just call the passive ones. They want to watch. They want to witness what we're going through as we go through our spiritual evolution and possibly shift to higher vibrations of Earth. And then we have some of the dark bad guys who are unpleasant and uh, messing around with some uh, some of the dark groups of people on the planet, you know, with uh, toys and weapons. Um, but uh, I've seen an evolution. All this stuff is evolving. And, uh, you know, we started hearing about ETs uh, forming hybrids. And this was back in the 60s and 70s when, uh, you know, the, the abductions and the harvesting of eggs and sperm all, all was, you know, big in the news. And... Uh, so we, we did end up with hybrids, and I've seen a few of them. Um, typically what I've seen is women in their 25 to 35 range, uh, dressed to the nines, dressed uh, too nice, inappropriately nice uh, for the conference or meeting they're sitting in. And when you start noticing them and they, uh, they feel you looking, um, they quickly throw on uh, dark glasses and leave. Uh, their eyes are a little bit different, where frequently the eyes will will be, uh, I'll say, in some way, it's kind of like they're they're more wider at the outside edge, so it's kind of like they're almost a triangle coming in rather than what we have, which is two curves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, they're around, but now one of the things that I've worked with is uh, I started finding oh, about oh, 10, 11 years ago that people were being energetically hybridized, and so... Uh, now I muscle test to see what percentage of people, uh, what are their percentages in terms of human versus ET versus angelic and a number of other categories. Um, because I, I see that the ETs have uh, evolved and advanced on that. Now, are there still ETs out there who are uh, doing nasty experiments on some people? Yeah, probably. You know, there there are plenty of other shows that talk about that and, and what they're doing and uh you know, I, I don't know the, the scope of how many are doing it, but I, I don't see a big need for it. But the flip side is uh, uh, I find many of the ETs are getting sophisticated where, uh, again, they can uh, alter or change their appearance or maybe change our mental thinking about what their appearance is. So they blend in, they watch, they mingle among us. They, uh, You might see them on one row of the grocery store and they look like a homeless person and you're you're, you're embarrassed to catch yourself staring at them and mm-hmm. you go to the next aisle and they're gone. They're not in the store anymore. They, they've disappeared. Uh, things like that. So uh, I think there's a lot around us. Um, you know, when I've muscle tested to see how many are out there, uh, I've gotten numbers as high as three or 4% of, in, of a, a large group of people of who you would see on the street or in a gathering, uh, three to 4% of those uh, are not, normal humans uh there's something else and uh, 
so I, I think they're there, as I said, you know, many cases they're, they're here to be helpful, but other cases they're here just to watch. They're, uh, they want to see what's going to happen. I think one of their big fears is, uh, and, and I think they would intervene at this point if we started uh, trying to launch some nuclear weapons uh, in warfare. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think they would be interfered with and uh, would malfunction uh, at this point. Um, I had a very vivid dream that turned into something. And this is not a dream. This is a, a reality on another place. And uh, mm -hmm. as an Air Force base on another version of Earth. And I was there when all the jets were being scrambled and uh, there's all kinds of activity. And then suddenly the nuclear weapons hit and I could see the sky glowing from it and the bad things. And I said, what are you showing me? And, you know, talking to my spiritual guys and they said, this experiment on Earth is the third time we've tried it because the previous two destroyed themselves. So there's very high stakes to make sure we don't screw it up this time. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're getting lots of help so uh, we don't go down a slippery slope and uh, destroy the planet. When you talk about this, this muscle test, describe it to me. Well, uh, a lot of people are familiar with kinesiology. They've had their arms, you know, pressed down, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to see if they're strong or weak. Um, right. When it, uh, I do a lot of work using a, a derivative of uh, muscle testing and core beliefs. And mm -hmm. uh, I was taught to have a person on a massage table with their arm up in the air. And if you do it that way, you can test a person for an hour and their shoulder doesn't get tired. Um, but in 2009, I started working, doing readings in stores and at fairs, and uh, there's no way to have a table there and take the time to test somebody. So uh, I started using a pendulum. Uh, I'm very fast with the pendulum on muscle testing or, mm -hmm. you know, to, to get answers. And sure. uh, But I said, I need something even faster than that. And so uh, there's uh, some two-handed muscle testing techniques like this one where you try to break the circle or this one where you try to break the circle. So if it's strong, true, or yes, you can't break it. If it's weak or false, you break it. And uh, But still, you, you walk around in a store doing this and people look at you funny, you know, if you're testing vitamins. You know, mommy, what's that man doing over there? You know, it's like, uh, I don't need that. And so uh, I learned how to do it on my hands where... I press up with my thumb and down with my index finger and try to slide my finger off my thumbnail. So it's, it's sort of like an old time term they call a stick plate where you slide a finger on a, on a glossy surface like an agate mm -hmm. or on a formica table. Only I'm using my thumbnail. And uh, I learned how to do it on my right hand and got very good with it. Then I thought, well, I can't write. You know, I have to keep picking up the pen and putting it back down. So. I learned how to do it on my left hand, so I can do it on either hand now. And uh, so basically it's a yes, no answer uh, from my point of view with high confidence in the outcome, but I, I test many, many different things. And uh, I test on numerical scales, I test on quantities. Um, I do a lot of uh, business consulting for people on uh, who they're dealing with in uh, upcoming deals uh, and uh, what, what are the likely outcomes? I, I do a lot of work with realtors on uh, what are offers going to come in, what's the house going to sell, all doing this type of thing. And uh, I will tell you that nobody's 100% correct, and I'll never present myself as 100% correct. Uh, but uh, 
again, I hark back to uh, Sylvia Brown on something else she said. Uh, one of her books, she said, you know, uh, in my mediumship sessions on a good day, I'm 60 to 80% correct. And on a great day, I'm 90% correct. And um, she never said she was 100% correct. So I, I always work with young people who are getting into this and just say, don't set too high expectation that you're going to be perfect. I said, if I was perfect, there'd be a line out my door a mile long of people who want me to give them the answers. And the really bad thing was they would quit living their lives for their own purposes. They, they would come to rely on me and, and I don't want that. So we, we, we just had this question. Um, yes. I, I kind of missed it. Can you remind yeah, me? Get it back up right now. Question from the chat room. There we go. Are humans on the menu for the dark ETs? You know, I've heard those stories that we have these great big uh, underground facilities out at Denver International Airport. I'm from Denver, uh, where they collect children and the children are taken by some of these dark ETs and they're eaten. And uh, for me, the jury is still out. I, I don't know enough about that. And mm -hmm. um, the other thing, too, is uh, I caution people that when they're learning how to do remote viewing or other things, I, I tell them, yes, there are ET bases on the moon, and yes, there are reptilians on the moon. Don't go peeking and sniffing because they can detect you, they will follow you back, and they can create havoc for you psychically. Mm -hmm. uh, I feel kind of the same way about, you know, pursuing any of these stories about what what the bad ETs do, you know, do they, do they right. actually, you know, uh, enslave humans and put them on slave colonies? Do they uh, kidnap people and this type of thing? I, I don't really go there. I, I'd be hard pressed to say I, I know anybody who has personal experience of it, you know, in some form. Um, so I, I don't know. I think the jury's out. I'm, I hope it doesn't happen. Uh, you know, I, I hope that spiritual beings and uh, advanced ETs, you know, keep us from being, uh, afflicted with that type of thing. Now, you, you mentioned also earlier about um, how we how we get our, our, our ET DNA, and you mentioned that that it was more of a mental thing, or, or how how that work? Um, well, I, I believe that uh, fundamentally our human DNA is composed of many different strands that come from different ET races. I, mm -hmm. I think we're... Uh, sort of a mongrel, uh, but the flip side is, I think uh, we, we've gotten the best aspects of, of many different races, uh, you know, given our, our level of development. Uh, I certainly don't think that we're a, a chance evolutionary development here. Um, I, I think that there was a hominid that made it pretty far, but then I think his ET got upgraded, or not ET, his DNA got upgraded. and. Uh -huh. uh, became very much who we are today in terms of sentient human beings. Um, there are people who are challenging the, uh, the strictly evolution of things, saying we just don't have enough uh, billions of years on this planet of this evolution to account for the beneficial changes that would have to happen uh, to make all this stuff come true on what we have. Uh, I mean, Darwin said uh, two things. He said, I can't explain how all these things came together to give us eyes. He said, right. the combination of a lens, an iris, and a retina, uh, he said, it's just 
you got to be astronomical, you know, the odds of, of having that happen spontaneously. And he also felt the same way about flowers. He, he said, uh, there's no real way evolutionary wise to explain flowers uh, because they're so complex. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, we, we've, we've had a lot of beneficial pushing on us. Uh, I've heard that one mistake though, that was in our background was, uh, the idea of viruses, you know, um, viruses were never meant to, to come here. Uh, somehow they got here and there is no such thing as a good virus for us. Uh, there, there's no beneficial virus that you can point to. So are there a lot of ETs, you know, hanging out with us on Earth? Because like you say, you know, there's the good ETs, there's the not so nice ETs. So are, so is it like my, is it like we're going to find out that someday I'm going to go walk across the street and it's my neighbor across the street or, or you know, was it that frequent? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I think one of these things, if you put out the good vibes, if you put out the expectation as you walk around on a day-to-day basis that, I acknowledge the fact that there are ETs around me and they are uh, hiding in plain sight. Um, I think you will have opportunities to see them at work. I think you will have opportunities to say, no, I can't believe that that just happened. The, mm-hmm. That can't be ordinary people doing that. I mean, the, the, the story uh, that I have along those lines is, is uh, my wife and I went out for a nice tea in the evening, and uh, while we were waiting to make a left turn to get to the driveway from McDonald's, uh, across on the other side of the intersection, there was a fender bender, and a sedan hit the back of a pickup truck. And, um, well, we figured we were a block or two away from a fire station. They'll be there almost immediately. Uh, we went ahead and went through the drive through at McDonald's, got our iced teas, and then sat sort of on a little raised area overlooking where the, the accident site was. And uh, I finally just told my wife, you know, I, I do have some first aid training going back to my scuba diving days. I said, I, I want to go down and check. I, I'm just concerned that somebody's hurt there. And uh, I walked down and in the sedan, there were four older women and uh, gray hair um, looking like they were wearing suits that would be more appropriate for women in the 1960s or 70s. Um, rather than current, you know, for any type of social event. And uh, I, I come up to the driver and said, are, are you okay? And she kind of is nervous and looks around a little bit and says, why, I, I think so. And I said, well, I, I think you better turn off your car. That'd be a good idea. And she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. She turns it off. And then uh, I'm looking at the other women all of a sudden, and I realize they look like they're cookie cutter, you know, products. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that's when I started telling to the fact, uh, th- these are ETs. Uh, the, I asked the driver, I said, well, what, what happened in the accident? She said, well, I was driving down the street and I was following the median and suddenly the median went left for the left turn lane. I didn't realize it and it was too late for me to swerve and go around the truck. And so I hit mm-hmm. the truck. Okay, what normal driver gauges where they're supposed to drive on a street by matching the, the median? Right. You, you know, you, you, you use the, the stripes, you use other cues about where your car should be. She was mm-hmm. following medium. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it just hit me. Well, the, these are ETs and uh, they uh, they checked out some costumes from Central Casting and uh, 
got a car somewhere and went out for a joyride and got busted, <laughs> you know. Um, and it still took a while more for any emergency vehicles to show up. And I, I talked to the other driver. He's a you know, poor guy was uh, just found out that his cancer that had been in remission was coming back that day. And then to have his car or have his truck, you know, hit in the back uh, mm -hmm. that day for him. And so I tried to calm him down. And, but yeah, these uh, these ETs are among us, and you know we used to hear the stories about you know be careful how you treat like homeless people or others who are destitute because they could be angels in disguise. Well, I think in a lot of cases they can be ETs in disguise too. Um, they're very likely not to be confronted or even uh, looked at much. They they become very hidden if they take on the guise of homeless people. Mm -hmm. uh, because most people are taught, you know, you don't stare at people who look different. You know, that's rude. And uh, so I, I think they use that to their advantage to keep from being stared at and notice that, you know, if I look really close at your face, you don't have a normal human looking face. You know, there's something, you know, the proportions are wrong here or something. Well, if they're a homeless person wearing a, you know, a stocking cap and they're kind of grubby, uh, you know, you aren't going to scrutinize them enough to, to get a feeling for it. So, right, right, right. yeah, they're out there. Uh, they're, they're among us. Last question. Do you think the government is ever going to tell us the truth about all this? I think you're going to be forced to. Um, we, we had that revelation uh, several weeks ago where the, the guy was a consultant hired by the government to look at this mm -hmm. question. And he came back and he said, I've seen stuff, experienced stuff, seen stuff in different departments. Yes, they're here. You know, he just he was unequivocal about it. He didn't say they might be here, it might be suggestive. No, he said they're they're here. We we've seen this. Yeah, we we know that you're here, and it's it's not our technology. Uh, and uh, so I, I think they're going to have to acknowledge it. I think we still have a little bit more squeaky room to get past the point of where people might still be too reactive if they mm -hmm. see it. But uh, again, I think all of the, the sci-fi movies, all the, the different things, the dramas are, are getting us to the point uh, where we're very relaxed. I mean, mm -hmm. I look at what's happened on, you know, the views of psychic work, you know, in early 80s, if I'd mentioned that I was an energy healer out at a, in an aerospace company, you know, they, they think I had three eyes and try to get rid of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, in uh, 2015, you know, if I said in an aerospace company, yeah, I do alternative healing uh, because some people are unhappy with Western medicine. Oh, yeah, yeah that's that's fine. You know, I, I, I can go along with that. So uh, the, these attitudes are shifting. And I think we just need to get just a little bit farther along where uh, they have the comfort factor that, our knee-jerk reaction isn't for, you know, Joe, the, the country farmer, to grab a shotgun and, you know, take care of the thing that has, uh, looks like a praying mantis. You right. know, right, right, uh, right. I think we need to get to that point. Yeah. Right. So how can people find you, sir? Uh, DaveTheMystic.com. Uh, you find out all about what I do. I have a lot of little uh, video recordings on there about the different services I offer. And... Uh, I've been doing a long time, and uh, I've got many satisfied clients. Uh, I've probably done over 3,000 clearings. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to help uh, people out there who have uh, challenges. Fantastic. 
Dave, it's always fun to have you on. I loved every second of it. And I hope maybe you can join us at a later date as well. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, just call me up whenever you want me to, uh, to be on again uh, with whatever topic. I, I'm always happy to talk, as you so, can tell. <laughs> but it's fun to talk to you. I mean, I learned so much when I talked to you. It's great. You know, it's fun. Well, thank you. Well, you have a rest of a great evening, and um, we'll see you next time. Okay, take care. Thank you, Dave. Thanks so much. Bye. You're welcome. Okay, guys, it's always fun to have Dave on, always informative. I learned a lot. I think you guys did, too. Again, tomorrow's kind of up in the air. I have my, I have an MRI coming up at, like, 1 p.m., 2 p.m., and I have issues with that. Like I said, I have an inner ear thing going on, and it really knocks me out of sorts to where I'm dizzy. So I don't know if, you know, it'll, it'll be palpable to do a live show tomorrow. But uh, if it is, uh, I'll either have a guest on, I have somebody lined up, or I'll be reading, or, you know, we'll do a best of. It just depends how I, how I feel after I get back from that appointment. But I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. It was fun. It's always fun having Dave on. And uh, if you guys have any ideas for shows that, you know, uh, guests that you'd like to see and hear, let me know. Because if, if we do do it, then I will send you a California Haunts Radio t-shirt. Okay? It's kind of fun, huh? You know, if, we, if you do suggest somebody, we put them on. Yeah, we'll, we'll get you a t-shirt. But uh, I want to thank everybody for coming. I'll see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific, one way or another. <laughs> but uh, I will put an announcement on ahead of time, okay? So we'll just see what happens. So I'll see you guys. Uh, remember, if you like the, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hate the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here. We're just trying to get the word out. Uh, show me some love, happy faces, likes, and all that good stuff. Thank you very much for coming, and I will see you tomorrow.